You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name's Tyler Hindman. I'm part of the nursing education team in the emergency department, and I'm also an education fellow as part of the Education Hub. And today we have Dr. Amy Gray. Amy is a consultant paediatrician in the Department of General Medicine at the Royal Children's Hospital with a focus on medical education and global health. Today we'll be discussing STIC, a framework for teaching when time is limited. Hi, Amy. Hi, Tyler. Can you explain to me what is the STIC framework and what makes it useful? Yeah, so the STIC framework, um, as you said, it's a framework for teaching and learning in really busy clinical contexts. So often we're seeing patients, we might be on ward rounds, we might be running around to and fro, but our job is also to teach in those settings. Great. Well, what sparked your interest in being involved with implementing STIC? So a few years ago, uh, we were asked to look at what could be done to improve education for doctors in our hospital. And we took a step back and looked at what education was happening and what doctors wanted. And they actually said, look, we don't want more education. There's plenty of things to attend. There's a lot happening. What we want to do is get more out of the activities we already do, the clinical teaching we already do. And when we looked at ward rounds, we found that consultants were telling us, we teach all the time, you know, we're really good at teaching, can't you see how much we're teaching? But the junior doctors were saying we're really not getting the teacher we wanted. And so we started to look at ward rounds and look at what was happening and we could start to see this disconnect between what people, I guess, saw as teaching and modelling in a ward round and how the residents might not be experiencing that as they're teaching and learning. We then looked at the evidence around teaching and learning in ward rounds, which there wasn't a lot of at the time, um, and put those things together in a simple framework that doctors could use every day. And when we took it back to the doctors, they really clearly said to us, look, we're doctors, we don't have time. What we want is three or four things that will help us teach and learn in that context. What can you give us? And so it was really designed for them, trialled with them, piloted with them, um, and that's what we have now. Great. What was your experience as a junior doctor on ward rounds? Was anything like this exist in your day or when you were learning? No, I guess I grew up in in, the, in a time when um, the model was you watched other people and that's how you learnt. Mm-hmm. So um, an apprenticeship model is often the word that's used where we follow people around and saw how we were taught, uh, how they taught or how we should learn, how mm-hmm. they saw patients. Um, and I guess we were expected to learn from that. Yes, it would be pretty intimidating, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is stick a black and white framework where you have to keep the script or does it allow the user to be flexible? Yeah, so stick is very much intended to be flexible. It's four parts. The first bit is setting the agenda and setting the roles with your team, but also setting that agenda for learning. What are you going to learn today? How could you learn today? Secondly, it's targeting teaching. So we're not just talking over someone's, you know, Um, head or actually telling people things they already know but really drawing from where they are at and what they need to learn next. Mm -hmm. Inspecting and reflecting um, which is really around taking a step back and reflecting on how something went even taking the opportunity for feedback and finally closing the learning. Now what I often say to people is you know don't torture yourself don't try to get all four things done every day there'll be days when it's not busy you have time to think and you will do all those four elements on your ward round but on other days we're really busy and we've got to excuse ourselves. So if you can set and close, Mm. everything in between will be better. And on the good days, you can focus on doing some of the other bits well. And how do you find the responses from the junior doctors? 
So from junior doctors, we when we piloted this in general medicine, we had really good responses. People could see they were more actively involved, um, both in the ward round and in their own learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw an uptick in the feedback people were getting day to day, which was really positive because we know that's important for learning. And as a little bit of a surprise, I guess, um, we found that people felt that teamwork was better on ward round. So we hadn't intended it for that process. But uh, overall, people were saying, look, we're actually working better as a team. We're making explicit what we're doing, how we're learning, and everyone's involved, including the medical students. So that was, I guess, an unintended consequence Mm -hmm. of improving teaching and learning. Bit of a cherry on the top. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you see this model working in other disciplines as well? Yeah, completely. So while it was designed for ward rounds, I think it's one that's transferable to really any clinical context where you're busy, you're seeing patients and you're trying to eke the learning from that. So we've certainly taken this framework to the emergency department where uh, nurses and doctors have both said they've they found it useful as a framework for just one patient encounter, going in to see a patient coming out and how you can uh, structure the learning around that. Uh, we've seen that on the wards with uh, nursing preceptors who have similarly taken up that model and I've certainly started to use it a bit as an outpatient model. So when I've got a student with me in the clinic, I'm often trying to see patients quickly, trying to make sure they're not waiting, Mm. Um, but I can set up each encounter or I can set up the clinic as a better learning experience if I use the framework and draw on it. Yeah, it's very versatile. Um, What would your advice be when you're working with a very group of learners? How do you cater to everyone's needs? Yeah, so there's a few different ways I approach this. I think one of the nice ways is around how you question people and there's this concept of uh, peer teaching where you can actually um, question up the ladder. So you start with the the most junior person and when they exhaust their answers, you get to the more senior person and when they exhaust their answers, you get to the final person. Now, if they know everything, you let them teach, you let them do peer teaching and you're there just to support them add any nuances you want to add to it, but also support the way they teach that. Um, so I, th- I find that's a really good tool when you've got multiple different levels. And I think sometimes you have to just focus on different learners each day or with each encounter. So you can't possibly cover the most junior student to the most senior fellow in one encounter. Mm. Um, but you can take a moment to focus on each one at different times. Yeah, and if you can follow it up with some um, key learning points, I think that'll be versatile for everybody. And I know myself, I fall into that spiel where I really want to transfer everything I know um, to the person I'm talking to. And um, I feel like this model can work really well just to sort of tease it out of them rather than me just telling them what I know. Yeah, so the spiel was something we saw multiple times on Wardrands. And when I go around and talk about the stick framework, many of our junior doctors say, oh, you know, our consultants, they all have a spiel on different topics. And it's usually like a two to three minute talk and we've heard it before. But when, I, when I've heard it before and they tell me it again, I'm not going to tell them I've heard it before. I'll just let them tell me it again. Mm. And so I, I worry that we're too, we feel too busy to teach, but we're also then using that time to tell people things they already know. So instead of telling, ask. Yeah, good advice. Um, th- I've heard about the one minute preceptor. Can you elaborate on that? So the one minute preceptor is uh, something that existed long before Stick. Um, It's one of the few evidence-based, I guess, um, strategies for teaching and learning in clinical context. And it's a really good one for talking about, for kind of identifying or looking at someone's clinical reasoning. So it's five steps. Um, You basically start by getting a commitment from someone um, on, on a decision. So that could be what is the diagnosis 
It could be, what do you want to do next? You don't want to know everything. You just want them to commit to one decision. And then after that, you kind of want to probe why they decided that. Why not something else? So why did you decide that? Is there anything else you considered? What would have, what made you not think that they were less likely? And probe for the decision-making. That's probably where you spend your most time. Mm-hmm. Once you've heard that, then you're going to tell them how you think they did, what, they, what you agreed with, um, or what you thought they did well, something that you thought you could add or change, or maybe even it was an error that you need to fix, and then end with a general rule. And that's that kind of notion of something that that learner can take away from this encounter that they'll use at the next encounter. And you can label it like that, label the learning. Mm. So as a general rule, in patients like this, I would, Mm. so that that learner can go away and the next time they recognise that that kind of patient, apply that rule. Yeah, exactly. And I guess you can um, also say, you know, is there anything differently that you do next time? Um, I find like those kind of phrases work really well. Um, what about active observations? Um, what is this? And can you give any examples on why it's an effective teaching method? Yeah. So both the one-minute preceptor and active observation are part of what we put under target teaching. So they're known teaching strategies. And I kind of talk about them as having them in your toolbox and pulling out when you know the moment is right. Yeah. And so ab- active observation is this notion that we have to set learners up to observe purposefully when they're with us and have some way of reflecting on what they see afterwards. Um, if you look at ward rounds, often we have medical students often walking into a room hearing a lot of information, seeing a lot of things, but not necessarily knowing where to direct their attention. Mm-hmm. So we have to set them up for that by saying, what I'm about to do next is go into this room and see this patient. What I want you to watch is... Mm, great. Um, and then afterwards, I'm going to tell you, get you to tell me what you saw and then talk about how you can use that next time you see a patient. So it's really making that observation purposeful. Um, I can tell you if I do that with medical students and say, we've got three ch- children with bronchiolitis on my ward round. Whenever we see any one of those, I want you to look at the work of breathing and tell me how you rate it, mild, moderate, or severe, and why you rate it that way. I'm going to ask any of you afterwards what you think and what you saw. I can tell you they all go from maybe not really paying attention to paying attention with every patient. Of <laughs> yeah. How do you keep it in that um, safe learning environment as well? Because I guess they, you know, we don't want to get the answer wrong, and it's not that's not the point. We don't. It's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about learning. Um, how do you keep the environment nice and safe for them to essentially express what they? what they think yeah so I think part of that is the setting the scene or, or setting the agenda and setting the roles so in doing that I'll often say look I'm I'm going to be active in teaching you on the ward round but part of that is asking you questions and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable about getting them wrong I'm asking because I want to hear about your thinking I want to hear what types of things you're thinking about they may be right or wrong but that knowing that is the way I'm going to help you so kind of setting it up as this is something to expect because otherwise you you can throw it on them and it can be a bit surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Resetting the expectations and being very transparent, that's great. Um, Can you elaborate on effective questioning? So again, effective questioning is in my target teaching toolbox. And the more I talk about this, the more I think this is where the money is. I think if we all learn to question better, actually, we will Mm. all help each other learn better. Um, There's lots of different ways to question. People often think about open and closed questions. But in fact, often probing questions or reframing the question if someone doesn't know the response first are really more helpful and to kind of probe that thinking and encourage a response. Again, when I talk to junior doctors about this, they often say, oh, the consultants, they ask me this question. And I think, oh, it could be this, but maybe it's this. 
I just don't want to be wrong. So I'm sitting there thinking, trying to decide. And then they like know that I haven't responded. So they just tell me the answer. Mm. I thought, oh, I knew that. Mm. I just didn't mm. know whether that was the right answer or not. So I think, I mean, I remember that as a junior doctor. And I think many of our trainees are kind of afraid to respond because they're afraid to be wrong. Mm. And so if we're going to ask a question and we don't get a response initially, don't assume people don't know. Maybe think, try to probe what they're thinking. Yeah. So follow up with a... Has anything crossed your mind? What types of things are you thinking about? Or reframing the question in a different way yeah. so that they've got a chance to find a starting point that they're comfortable talking to you about. I often talk to people about if you've asked a question and you don't get a response, don't just launch into your spiel. Mm-hmm. Just ask one more question because yeah. often that's how you, you get the conversation started. Yeah, and more often than not, you know, educators will be, guess what I'm thinking? And, yeah, it's probably not an effective way of... Uh, um, learning. Yeah, the guess what I'm thinking questions, yeah. they're definitely yeah. not on the list. It's set up for failure, really. Yeah. Um, what are the pitfalls? Well, I guess we've just kind of discussed a couple of the pitfalls when they're falling into questioning. Is there any more that you can um, talk about? Uh, well, I think they're probably the greatest pitfalls in is kind of the guess what I'm quest- thinking questions. Um, not giving people enough time to respond. Mm. Some people talk about pose, pause, then pounce, which is the notion that you pose the question. You wait, and we're meant to wait five seconds, which seems interminable when you're standing on a wardrobe with a bunch of people waiting, but it can take a while to get a response. And then if you don't get a response, people say pounce, which might be pointing to someone and asking them. But in my mind, it's much better to just reframe the question and ask it in a way that might make them more comfortable to start exploring their thoughts. Okay, thanks. Um, I guess this requires a bit of practice, but I definitely see it as a benefit as an educator on the floor. Do you have any advice on how to improve? Yeah. Um, When we did this with consultants in our department, they all, many of them said, this is really useful. We can see the bits of this that we can use day by day, but it's really hard to change our habits. Mm. We've all got these habits that we've learnt from growing up, watching other people teach or teaching ourselves. And so I think the first thing to say is habits are hard to break and that's okay. And when you're busy and you're tired and you're cranky, you're going to fall back into your habits, Mm -hmm. but be conscious of that. So don't expect too much from yourself. Try try something first. Try something small and easy. And as I said before, if you set up the agendas and roles and you close the learning at the end, actually everything in between is better. So even right. if you can just start doing that, get that set up as part of your new habit, then when you're feeling more up to it, you can start to do some more questioning. Ask one more question on a good day. You can start to think about, all right, well, now I'm going to get them to reflect on an encounter give them some feedback. So don't feel like you need to do everything every day. Realise you're going to slip back back in your habits when you're tired and cranky and just be deliberate about adding small bits day by day so that it becomes part of just what your new habit is. Okay, thanks. And I have one more question. Um, Do you have any key messages that you'd like to share? Yeah. I've been teaching and learning on Mordrands for years (laughs) Um, and I think it comes back to exactly what we were just talking about We can all be better at this, Mm. but it does take practice and it does take time. But there's really reward in it if we can all do it well. I found myself slipping back um, into my old habits and then I reaffirmed the fact that I'm going to use stick and I do it. Mm. And the other day I did it and one of my registrars said, that is the best ward round I've ever been in. And it just gives you Mm. um, the motivation to keep going. So don't be too hard on yourself if you can't do it every day. Mm -hmm. When it's busy, service has got to come first. 
do the little things, set and close. Everything else in between will be good. And just ask one more question. Great. I love it. And where can people find the resources for STEC? So we've got an Education Hub website um, which has our programs and resources and you'll find it there on Teaching on the Wards. Um, but if you just Google Stick and Ward Rounds, it will turn up. It's now, I think, the top hit. So it's easy to find Great. on the internet if you're looking for it. Great. Well, thank you, Amy, for your expertise. And um, that was really nice. Thanks. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.